Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we have the story of Ken McElroy. It's not one that's familiar to me, but Trish will tell us more in a little bit. But first up, we have our drink of the day. to another round of bartending with Sloan. Today we're just going to do like some easy flavored margaritas. Uh, if you're familiar with Rose's Lime Juice, it's a pretty popular staple in most grocery stores for bar drinks. Uh, they have recently, and by recently I mean in the past year or so, released flavored syrups. We finally picked up the blueberry and peach ones, and let me tell you, it is definitely worth picking up, especially if you're a lazy bartender. Raise your hand. Me. Me. I'm talking about me. Don't take offense. Anyways, so we picked them both up. They are absolutely fantastic. All you need to add to it is tequila and some margarita or sweet and sour mix, and it will make the perfect summer margarita. You could do a salt rim, sugar rim, or tahini. Y'all know how I feel about that. No matter how you decide to enjoy this, I guarantee you it's going to be worth the money to pick it up. You can make an uh, an easy pitcher of flavored margaritas for the poolside, for a little get-together with friends, or even just a Friday night, date night sort of situation. No matter how you want to do it, this is kind of a recipe for preference I find that you have to use a lot of the syrup to get the blueberry or the peach flavor in your drink. Um, I usually only do about 0.25 ounces of simple syrup in our drinks, but for this, I used honestly probably closer to about an ounce of simple syrup plus a shot of tequila, whatever your shot is. For me, we like a heavy pour, (laughs) so it's two-ish ounces. Call me, uh, what's her name, Sandra Lee. From the Food Network, two shots of vodka. Glug, 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 glug. (laughs) Anyways, and then about like two to three ounces of sour mix, just depending on your preference once again. The less sour mix that you use, the more that flavor of the simple syrup is going to come out. So I, for my personal drink, I did not make a pitcher. For my personal drink, I did about two ounces of tequila, about an ounce of the simple syrup, and then about two ounces of this margarita mix. Tahine rim. I use the peach syrup for my drink today. Chef's kiss. Delicious. Well worth it. I wish I would have picked this up last summer when I first saw it. Yeah. But that is our drink of the day and we'll kick you off to the episode. All right. So as we said, today is our case on Ken McElroy. Now, this is not one of our typical unsolved murder cases. It is an unsolved murder, but also you'll see what I mean towards the end. So, like I said, this is the case of Ken McElroy. He was known as the town bully from Skidmore, Missouri. Ken was a criminal and convicted attempted murderer. 
So, like I said, he's not um, the typical person we would cover, but the story was very interesting. So, I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> As someone that grew up on 90s country to Goodbye Earl, this one I was like, <laughs> Do you love us some Dixie Chicks? But on July 10th, 1981, he was murdered, and it's still an unsolved murder. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So first, let's learn a little bit more about Ken and his kind of backstory. And then we'll get into what happened. So Ken was born in 1934. He was the 15th of 16 children. No, thank you. (laughs) I was like, I thought I was, you know, I'm the youngest of eight. And everybody's always like, Jesus. (laughs) But, yeah, 15 of 16, which, I mean, also if you think about back then, you basically had kids to, like, help you out. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, it kind of makes sense. Especially because he um, was born to immigrant um, tenant farming parents so i mean the more kids you have the more hands you have to help you on the farm so um his parents were tony and mabel mcelroy they moved between kansas and the ozarks before settling in skidmore ken dropped out of college at not college he dropped out of school at the age of 15 He was in the eighth grade, and he quickly developed a reputation as a cattle rustler, small-time thief, and a womanizer. For more than two decades, McElroy was suspected of being involved with the theft of grain, gasoline, alcohol, antiques, and livestock. So he's just, you know... Already sound like a great guy. Absolutely. <laughs> but not all men. Yeah. So he avoided conviction after charges were brought against him 21 different times. <laughs> this was basically because after, like, all these charges were brought against him, many witnesses would refuse to testify Because they would claim to be intimidated by him. Ken would often follow the witnesses around or even park outside their homes and watch them. So, yeah. I'm like, you're a real winner, dude. (laughs) I was like, I mean, I'm all for, like, you know. We are definitely on the uh, book talk side of, like, TikTok. And, like, yes, we do love our, like, dark romances and that. But also, there's a difference between that and real life. <laughs> there are things in, in book talk that I'm like, hell nah. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's hot in this sense. But yeah. if anybody ever laid their hands on me like this, <laughs> I would drop kick a motherfucker so fast. Yes, it's different reading about it because it's not actually happening to me. I don't have any martial arts training, <laughs> but that shit would kick in. Uh, so, 
Along with all these alleged crimes, he was also a womanizer. He fathered more than 10 children with different women. And I'm sorry, I've been watching Teen Mom. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of guys on that show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he uh, had all these kids with different women. And he met his last wife, Trina McLeod, when she was 12 years old. And in the eighth grade, <laughs> the look on your face. Hold on, it gets better. Hold on. Just wait. So she was born in 1957, which I went and did the math. That would make him 23 years old when she was born. Okay. (laughs) What year was this? Uh, she, she was, this is back in like the, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, like. Still not acceptable. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he married her when she was 12 years old. And to make this love story even worse, before they got married, Ken raped her repeatedly. And obviously, her parents didn't want their 12-year-old to marry this old man. But, you know, Ken being Ken, he basically intimidated them to the point that he actually burned down their house and shot the family dog. Oh, hell no. Yeah. Hell no. He did all this basically until they were just like, fine, marry our daughter. No, you would be dead or in jail. (laughs) Yeah. Those are the only two options from there. So, unfortunately for Trina, she became pregnant at the age of 14. She dropped out of school when she was in the ninth grade. And she went to live with Ken and his second wife, Alice. Basically, because obviously, this is... Not like you you married a 12-year-old that you raped repeatedly and like had this very wrong relationship with. So basically to get out of statutory rape charges, he divorced his wife, Alice, so that he could marry Trina so he could avoid the charges. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Right? I was like, this guy... I'm not saying all men, but also that there are some parallels you could throw at the, like you put this story in today's thing and you would have people being like, he's misunderstood. I'm like, sure. But let's worry about drag queens. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So yeah, he divorced Alice so that he could marry Trina to avoid the statutory rape charges to which Trina was the only actual witness. 16 days after Trina gave birth to their child, 
both her and Alice fled to Trina's mother's and stepfather's house. And according to court records, McElroy tracked them down and brought them back. He then returned to Trina's parents' house when um, they were away. And he once again shot the family dog and burned down the house. So, yeah. <clears throat> he's he's not he's not the best best guy. I know how to you know. We don't need FBI tracking. Us. <laughs> what do you think your phone does? I know. <laughs> so, based on Trina's story, McElroy was indicted in June 1973 for arson, assault, and statutory rape. He was arrested, booked, and released on $2,500 bail. Trina and her child were placed in the foster care at a home in Maryville, Missouri, which, by the way, was only 14 miles away. And, you know, Ken being who he was, he got out on bail and then he went and sat outside the foster home for hours at a time just watching. He told the foster family that he would trade girl for girl to get his child back since he knew where the foster family's biological daughter went to school and what bus route she rode. Not creepy at all. Yeah. So naturally, more charges were filed against Mick Elroy. On June, not June, on July 27th, 1976, a farmer, Romaine Henry, said Mick Elroy shot him twice with a shotgun after Henry challenged him for shooting weapons on Henry's property. McElroy was charged with assault with intent to kill, and he also denied that he was at the scene at the time. The case dragged on without a court date, and Henry said McElroy parked outside his home at least a hundred times. At the trial, two raccoon hunters testified that McElroy was with them the day of the shooting and away from Henry's property, and Henry was forced to admit in court under questioning by McElroy's attorney, Richard Jean McFadden, that he had concealed his own petty criminal conviction for more than, yeah, for more than 30 years previous, which then led to McElroy being acquitted. scumbag lawyer for a scumbag person. In 1980, one of McElroy's children got into an argument with a clerk, Evelyn Sumi, I think is how you say the last name. And this happened in a local grocery store owned by 70-year-old Ernest Bowenkamp. And his wife Lois, and allegedly the young McElroy, tried to steal some candy. 
like father like child <laughs> like ugh. but you know in true Ken McElroy fashion he began stalking the Bowen camp family and he eventually threatened Ernest in the back room of the store with a shotgun and during the confrontation Ken shot him in the neck but Ernest did survive And this led to Ken being arrested and charged with attempted murder. He was then convicted at a trial, but again was released on bail. He then went to the D&G Tavern, which was the local bar in town. And he went there with an M1 Garand rifle. That had a bayonet attached. And while he was there, he made graphic threats about what he would do to Ernest. And this, I guess, was finally the last straw for, like, the townspeople. Because they then began, like, kind of figuring out a way to try to fight back. And there was a sheriff that was there and the sheriff suggested that they should start up a neighborhood watch on the morning of july 10th 1981 townspeople met at the legion hall in the center of town with the same sheriff that was at the bar the night they decided about this neighborhood watch And they were basically discussing how to go about protecting themselves. Meanwhile, McElroy went back to D&G Tavern, this time with Trina. And word got back to the townspeople that he was there. And obviously they were like, we should go do something. The sheriff was like, no, we need to focus. We need to work like work out the logistics of starting this neighborhood watch and from what I found it it sounds like they kind of did and that and then he was like all right cool I'm gonna go like he's not even from this town he's from like a neighboring town he's like cool I'm gonna go back to like my town and he just leaves this mob that he knows is like enraged and they know that the person that is like enemy number one Is at the bar. So naturally once he leaves. They decide they're going to go to the bar. And the bar. Is filled to capacity. And. McElroy. Finishes up his drinks. He purchases. A six pack of beer. And then. He leaves the bar. And goes and sits in his truck. And this is kind of when things go a little south for him. Um, I'm sorry, my thing like moved. So now I'm trying to find my spot. Alright, so yeah, he goes, he leaves, and sits in his truck. So once he's there, someone then shot at him while he was sitting in his truck. And he was shot at several times and hit twice. 
once by a center fire rifle and once by a 22 rim fire rifle. I don't know guns. All I know is the rifle. So they're, they can do a little damage depending on how close you are. Um, so when it was all said and done, there were 46 potential witnesses to his murder or shooting, I guess you could say. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> but he was, there were 46 potential witnesses, which included his wife, Trina, who was actually in the truck when he was shot at. And not a single one of them decided to call the ambulance for him. Trina claimed that she could identify the gunman, but none of the other witnesses named a shooter or said that they saw who fired the fatal shots. The DA declined to press any charges, and basically this then sparked a federal investigation, but that also led nowhere. There were no charges handed out. A a Missouri-based journalist, Steve Boher, described the attitude of some townspeople as he needed killing, which, I mean, you done shot at a family dog and burned down the house twice. You've intimidated, you've, you literally have bullied, like, the whole town. You raped a 12-year-old until you, like, basically forced a family to say, all right, you can marry her. Just so you don't get charged. <laughs> like, I don't feel bad for you, my dude. <laughs> So, Ken McElroy was buried at Memorial Park Cemetery at St. Joseph, Missouri on July 9th, 1984. Trina McElroy filed a $5 million wrongful death lawsuit against the town of Skidmore, the county of No. Nodaway, I think is how it's said, and Sheriff Danny uh, Etz, which is the sheriff that was like, we should start a neighborhood watch. And um, was it Steve Peters, who was the mayor of Skidmore at the time, and Del Clement, who Trina accused of being the shooter, but was who was never charged. This case was ultimately settled outside of court for $17,600, so very far off, off from the $5 million. <laughs> and at no time did anyone admit... Sorry. At no time did anyone admit guilt, and they basically stated the reason of avoiding costly legal fees should the suit proceed anywhere else. Trina did go on to remarry and she moved to Lebanon, Missouri. And she unfortunately did die of cancer on her 55th birthday on January 24th, 2012. So 
I feel like she had a bit of Stockholm Syndrome when it comes to McElroy because she sure did um, fight like for like a conviction in his death but I'm also like dude he like forced you into a marriage made you like drop out of school and have a baby at least one maybe more yeah, but some some women feel like that's their purpose in life. So maybe yeah. he did save her in her mind. But that doesn't mean that he saved her yeah. in the eyes of the law. But yeah. That doesn't make it right. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, I don't understand how you could defend someone like that. Then again, there's just, there's a lot of situations that I mean... I'm thankful nothing like that has ever happened to me. So I've not had to deal with it. Yes. But it's also like in your mind you're going, I, I, could, I could never. But then like I said, we all deal with trauma and stuff in our own ways. So maybe that was her way of dealing with it. Maybe her way of dealing with it was make the best of this as I can. Yeah. So, also in her own mind, maybe she could actually care for him. So, but <clears throat> that is the unsolved, but kind of solved <laughs> murder of Kemic Elroy. We know that it was somebody in town, but we just, you know, don't have a direct person. Not that I feel like anybody would truly care. <laughs> But, like I said, he's not our normal person that we would, like, report on. But, like I said, I, I, I forget how I stumbled across this one. But I, saw, I think I was just looking up, like, most, like, searched uh, true crime cases in, like, each state. And this one popped up. I was like, who the hell is this? And I looked, I, like, looked into the, the story of it. And I went... This is like goodbye, Earl, without like the woman being like, help me, Wanda. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was interesting and I thought it'd be a kind of fun one. Mm -hmm. Also, see what you guys think. See if you uh, if you feel bad for Ken or if uh, you're your team townspeople. <laughs> we're we're team townspeople, yeah. I think. <laughs> so but that is my case. I guess we will go ahead and kick you off to our last call. For today's last call, I am taking a sharp left turn. <laughs> Currently, as we speak, the Taylor Swift era tour. Eras okay, I was tour, like, where are we going? <laughs> Eras tour is going on. So I thought that I would do some fun facts on Taylor Swift. You either love her or you hate her, but either way, I feel like you got to respect I her. I was going to say, I feel like people that like don't like her just, they want to be like, everybody else is like obsessed. I don't see the thing. And I'm like, it's well, like, like Logan is like convinced she doesn't like Taylor Swift, but then like she'll put out a song like anti- anti-hero and Logan's like it's actually a good song I'm like so you don't hate her you just <laughs> it was shoved in your mind that 
She just complains all the time. I'm I like, mean, she does the same thing that every other woman in music does. And you probably didn't like her as Tim McGraw, Taylor Swift. You might not have liked her as, uh, what was the next one? Speak Now. Speak Now was the third one. Was that Fearless? Fearless was the second one. Okay. Yeah, I was like, so. I was like, I always mix up the second and third. Yes. But, like, you might not have liked her at first as the deep country singer that she was trying to be. But regardless, like, you have to respect her. Or you should respect her. You don't have to respect anybody. But you should respect her because, shit, she's been running this game for, like, 15 years at this point. Also, if you look into her lyrics, there are some things, like, if you look deep dive, I'm like, well, and that's like. My husband also does not like Taylor Swift, but whenever punk pop people cover her songs, he likes them. He likes them. <laughs> he just doesn't it's like Logan. her. <laughs> we, ta- Logan and my husband are the yeah. same person. They're not the same person, but they're the same person. But anyway, so on to the facts about Taylor Swift because Trish and I are both Swifties. To a I'm not extent. like a deep dive one, but I do enjoy like music and then i like watching the different like conspiracies of people trying to figure out like the little things that she hides in that yes yes <laughs> it's but always I'm, so fun to go down that rabbit hole we're, but we're definitely not the ones holding open the cd book being like no. this letter is capitalized and this letter and this letter and this letter <laughs> if you rearrange all of those letters it spells harry styles <laughs> like that's not us but we are the ones watching the video saying yeah. if you rearrange like all the back with the heiress tour for 22 she keeps changing her shirt and making different letters red mm. in that and so they're like it's gonna end up spelling out speak now taylor's version i'm like it probably will well and that's the thing i don't know if it's on this list but that is the thing that people have noticed is the only song that she's singing from speak now is december which is her song written about taylor lautner <laughs> that's the only fact that i know about that song but it's a famous tiktok sound right now which is why they think she is playing it otherwise that is the only cd that her past label still owns and there is not a taylor version of so they think that she's she's not playing um enchanted that's what i'm yes yeah um i feel like this last tour like this last date she did a different one and everybody's like fucking gaby that's like my favorite song from that album and i was like she can do what she wants, man. I saw somebody she on TikTok. She literally said, she put in her last, like, concert, she said, if you think that you can come to this tour, and just because you saw a set list on the, like, online that, you can get that same one. She goes, joke's on you. And I was like, hey. I, I, <laughs> I saw one girl that she's literally spent all of her extra money this year to go to, like, four or six different shows and she bought them all after the whole show had sold out so like yeah don't even try to go there that she bought all the tickets to begin with she bought them all secondhand handed or whatever and at first whenever i saw that video i was like that is such a waste of money you're traveling to four different cities to see different the same show over and over again but now that taylor's like redoing the set list i'm like damn that girl might have been onto something you know all right, anyways, to the facts. So first, while Taylor Swift writes all of her own music, she specifically wrote her entire Speak Now album all by herself. No co-writers, just her. The album was released in October 2010 when Swift was just 20. 
that was the only album that I actually like bought the actual CD for. I had, I think her first, at least her first two. I think I got her first three. I know that I bought songs from the first two, like some of the more popular singles, but the Speak Now was the first one that I actually like. I had one in my car. It was in my car up until a couple of years ago and I finally (laughs) threw it out, but I loved it. But she pretty much said like, she was on tour whenever she wrote that. So she would be up until two, three o'clock in the morning. There wasn't anyone around yeah. to be with her to help write it. And she would just end up finishing the songs. And by the time she would get to a co-writer, the song was finished. Like they would help her polish it, but like yeah. the song was written. Two, she grew up on a Christmas tree farm with her family in Pennsylvania. She references her time there on her holiday song of the same name. Yep. She's named after James Taylor. From one music legend to another. Four, she's a former Abercrombie model, just like fellow stars Shannon Tatum, Jennifer Lawrence, Emma Roberts, and Ashton Kutcher. Taylor Swift modeled for the company in 2003. I do remember that. And I feel like, you know, you read facts like that and you're like, man, all these people, they're famous and they had a good start or whatever. But, like, that's how they got their start. Yeah. You got to get out there. You got to put your name out there, your face out there, make contacts, stuff like that. They worked hard to get where they are. Yes. Number five, she gave Eric Church her first gold record. Back in 2006, she joined Rascal Flats on their tour after Eric Church was fired. Quote, actually, she called me after I got fired. I read in the paper that we were fired. She called and said, I want you to know that I love what you do. She And then I joked with her saying, this is your crowd. They're going to love you. You're going to owe me your first gold record. I was kidding, of course, but when she got her first gold record, she gave me one. It came with a note saying, thanks for playing too long and too loud on the Flats tour. I sincerely appreciate it, Taylor. That's what it I, was like, I, rem- I was like, I remember like him getting taken off the tour, and I forget what the whole reasoning was, but it was just... I think that was at the time that Rascal Flats was kind of dying off, and Eric Church was taking like further like steps into like being popular in that so it was kind of like a i feel like it was people were showing up more them seeing it being like oh shit we're getting outshadowed bye (laughs) and now you got to say taylor swift open for you (laughs) number six she has double jointed elbows during her 2016 vogue 73 questions video Taylor Swift was asked if she had any really cool or bizarre talents. In response, she said, okay, I'm well aware that this is not a talent, but this is the only thing that I can do. I have double jointed elbows. Also in that video, we learned that her drink of choice is vodka and Diet Coke. I feel like you'd be better off with vodka and Sprite Zero, but not everybody carries Sprite Zero, and that's the problem. Yeah. My, I guess my weird talent is the fact that um, I can touch my tongue to my nose i can't even touch my septum ring <laughs> i can touch my tongue to my nose and that's because your front teeth apparently stop your your tongue from growing and mine got knocked out when i was about maybe five or so and they just didn't have enough space to come back down so until i was in like the third or fourth grade I didn't go see an orthodontist for them to be like, hey, we got to do this. Something's wrong here. 
So yeah, my tongue does not sit flat in my mouth. Cool. Number eight. <laughs> she turned off her comments on social media to block some of the noise. In her essay for Elle entitled 30 Things I Learned Before Turning 30, Taylor explained, social media can be great, but it can also inundate your brain with images of what you aren't, how you're failing, or who is in a cooler locale than you at any given moment. One thing I do to lessen that weird insecurity laser beam is to turn off comments. Yes, I keep comments off on my posts. That way I'm showing my friends and fans updates on my life. But I'm training my brain to not need the validation of someone telling me that I look fire. Right. <laughs> I 1000% agree and love that so much. I feel like I have a weird personal perspective on that. Um, I feel like you're going to have for every like positive com- comment. I feel like there's going to be like five negative ones. So it's like, do you want... To keep your comments on to possibly see the good or I know in my experience you get a lot more positive comments than negative comments, but it's always the negative comments that stand out. Yeah. You I'm can... also saying for her, like you're a worldwide I was yeah, I was getting there. <laughs> I was getting there. Yeah. She definitely has a lot more people to like face Sift than through. I do. <laughs> yes. But I still feel like her comment section is at least, like, 50-50. Yeah. And in that, I'm saying the 50% negative is probably a good bit of people being like, oh, you're so amazing. Too bad. Da-da-da-da-da. Like, this was handed to you. And backhanded comments, essentially. But regardless of how you look at it, no matter, like, what scale, social media is fucking hard for all of us. Whether you're a worldwide star, an influencer, or just a normal person... Life is hard on social media. Post one thing that somebody, like, can jump on and turn on you with... Hit the wrong hashtag. Who? Yeah. It's brutal. Number nine. She was originally going to name her seventh studio album Daylight before landing on Lover. Before writing the title track, Swift had another name in mind for the seventh studio album, but since the album was the follow-up to Reputation, the singer thought the name Daylight would be a little too on the nose. So when Swift wrote the song Lover, she decided that that would be the name of the album. I feel like I I couldn't see, like, it not being Lover. And I always felt like Lover was an off name for that album, personally. Like, because it did follow up Reputation. And the only song that I felt like followed the theme of Lover was the song Lover. Like, every other song on that track does not go with that theme. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not, like, a full-fledged. I There's certain songs that, like, I, I like and I'll listen to, but I don't, like... The deep tracks I'm not, like, right. too familiar with. But I feel like usually the song title, the the album that the song, like, that they share the same thing, that is usually a single, which is why most people do know that song. So, like, yeah, if you don't know the whole album, you'd be like, yeah, of course Lover Fits, because that's the song that you mostly know from the album. To me, personally, it didn't fit the whole theme of the rest of the songs. But moving on. Number 10, she's the youngest solo artist to win Album of the Year. Taylor Swift was just 20 when she won the top honors in 2010 for her beloved album, Album Fearless. 
11, Taylor made history at the 2021 Grammys, becoming the first female artist to win Album of the Year three times. Well-deserved, Taylor. (laughs) Well-deserved. 12, Swifties will love this. The singer's album, Lover, sold over 1 million pure copies in the United States in its first few months alone, according to chart data. This was the first album to reach this milestone in 2019. Number 13, more historic milestones. At the 2019 American Music Awards, Taylor surpassed Michael Jackson's record to become the most awarded artist at the AMAs. She currently has 40. Yeah. As a child, young Taylor wanted to be a stockbroker, just like her dad. But she went on to find her true calling in music, thank God, (laughs) later moving from Pennsylvania to Tennessee with her family to kick off her career. She learned to play guitar around the age of 12 after learning a few chords from a technician who was fixing her computer. She then went on to write her first song, Lucky You. 16. She's obsessed with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She, while talking about her love for Fleabag, Swift told Entertainment Weekly, she makes you crack up, shocks you, and breaks your heart all in the span of a few minutes on that show. She later performed on the, the SNL episode, which the Amazon Prime star hosted. Number 17, she wrote her own monologue for her appearance on Saturday Night Live in 2009, which doesn't usually happen with celeb guests. Swift clearly impressed the team with monologue song, La 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 La. I had that song downloaded on my iPod. (laughs) This is my monologue. (laughs) Number 18, she's been BFFs with Selena Gomez. I'm so jealous. Team Selena. (laughs) Yes, Team Selena. That's another story for another day. Since their respective relationships with the Jonas Brothers. In case you missed it, Selena Gomez even supported her best friend in mid-November when she returned to SNL to perform the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Back in 2008, Taylor spent time with Joe Jonas while Selena dated Nick Jonas. I remember those days too well. (laughs) Yes. It feels like only two, three years ago, and that was a whole motherfucking decade ago. Can I just say, I love the fact that Joe ended up marrying Sophie, who is a Swifty. (laughs) She pokes fun at him all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You deserve it, Joe. You you left a good thing there. But also, we know that Taylor is a little ting. Yeah. I don't think she was looking for you, Joe. Anyway, so the two quickly became close pals and have remained tight to this day. I love it. Their friendship is like one of the cutest, most pure things on this earth, in my opinion. Number 19, remember the redhead named Abigail that Swift references in 15, her beloved song about growing up. Well, Abigail and Swift are still best friends, too. Abigail Anderson is her name, and Taylor was a bridesmaid in her wedding in 2017. I remember Abigail being on like she used TLC. To always go on everything with her. And yeah. I always like I always wondered like what actually happened with her. I forgot she got married. Well, yeah, she got married more recently, but I think at some point she was kind of like she went off to college yeah. and started living her own life, but I think it's great that you know, they still, still have their friends. friends. Yeah. yeah. 20, she's a godmother holding that distinction for pal Jamie King's son, Leo Leo Thames. Leo Thames. Yeah. 21, 
Taylor has said that she may never perform her song, Soon You'll Get Better, which is about her mother's cancer battle. During a Q&A session in August 2019, as part of a SiriusXM Town Hall special, she shared, It was hard to write, it's hard to sing, it's hard to listen to for me, but sometimes music is like that. It, it is. Music is truly like one of those few things that can take you back to both good and bad memories. Like, yeah. I had a really shitty day at work a few weeks ago and I came home and I just put on Disney musicals like and watched The Lion King, Cinderella, <laughs> Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast back to back to back to back. And my husband did not complain one bit. Anyways, 22. Taylor doesn't have Twitter on her phone. In an interview with Billboard, she explained, sometimes when I open Twitter, I get so overwhelmed that I just immediately close it. That's me with Instagram. <laughs> I haven't had Twitter on my phone in a while because I don't like to have too much news. Like, I follow politics and that's it. But I don't like to follow who is broken up with who or who wore an interesting pair of shoes. There's only so much bandwidth my brain can really have. I respect her so much for that. Like, it's hard to shut off the outside noise and the fact that she sets boundaries and sticks to them. I wish I could do that. Oh, she has never been to therapy. She says, I talk to my mom a lot because my mom is the one who's seen everything. God, it takes so long to download somebody on the last 29 years of my life. And my mom has seen it all. That must be great. I don't have that. That's right. 24, she enjoys the simplicity of life. In London with longtime love, Joe Alwyn, Taylor has been spending a lot of downtime in London. She doesn't go out much other than to take a walk with Joe or go to the local pub. They spend a lot of time with Joe's family and friends. Speaking of Joe, she's also the actor's number one fan. According to an interview, her favorite lyrics off of her Lover album are... Ladies and gentlemen, will you please stand with every guitar string scar on my hand. I take the magnetic force of a man to be my lover. Swift is one of the highest paid women in, the, in music. According to a Forbes report released in August 2019, Swift made $185 million in pre-tax earnings over that year alone. Taylor, if you ever listen to this, if you need me to hold on to like one million for you... <laughs> Just yeah. one million. I will safeguard it with my life. The 2019 Netflix film, Someone Great, inspired her music. I cried watching the movie. For about a week, I started waking up from dreams that I'm living out the scenario. That that's happening to me. I'd have those lyrics in my head based on the dynamics of these characters, and I went in the studio with Jack Antonoff. The studio session led to the creation of Swift's song, Death by a Thousand Cuts. She has a special place for her most emotional song, From All Too Well to The Archer. The superstar re reserves the fifth spot on her albums for a heartbreaking ballad. You know what? That makes sense. She said she didn't realize she was doing that, and then someone pointed it out to her, and so now she kind of makes an effort to always make it that the fifth song is one. I think... It might be the Lover album. I don't know. It's one of her, like, one around, like, that time frame that the fifth song doesn't really fit, but it does. I don't know. You'd have to look. It's one of the albums she was like, it's not our the typical fifth song that I would put out, but out of that album, it's the one that fits. Right. Right. 
Well, those are our fun facts about Taylor Swift for today. I'm sure that I could go on for another 20, 40, 60 minutes just about (laughs) Taylor. But we hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can catch us on our social medias. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. They are all at Tequila She Wrote. If you have any comments, suggestions, requests for cases, drink suggestions, last calls, anything of that sort, you can send them to tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. You can get ad-free episodes, get bonus episodes. And then if you want a little bit more, we have some more like bonus content. You just got to sign up for some of the other tiers. Everything's listed on the Patreon page, so you can look and see what, like, you might want and that. And then if you see, so if you don't see something that you're looking for, let us know. We will look into, like, try and do it. But easiest way to find us on Patreon is by going to patreon.com, <laughs> patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote. Or you can go to our socials, click on our link tree, and there should be a direct link there to our um, Patreon. If you're struggling at all, reach out. We'll try to direct you there the best we can. But Thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>